Yes, it certainly is. The Pet Chat team are here. Dr. David Tabrett, who we, we, we did the solo effort last week, mate. I'm, I know, and I'm, I'm absolutely fatigued. Yeah. So, of course, we've got the wonderful Cheryl Shaw. We thought Cheryl can come back. Oh, Good afternoon. Nice words. Absolutely. Well, well you've got to carry the load. That's what that means. Oh, yeah. okay. Right. Okay. I'm here. Don't worry. Cheryl, we want lifters, <laughs> not leaners here, okay? <laughs> but no worries. But you've done your bit today because it's it's always, we always kick off with Cheryl Shaw Brooch Watch, yep. which leads into her topic. Now, you mm. have not one, not two, but a combination of three brooches. So tell us what you've got there because okay. I, I can't really make it out. Okay. So we've got some dogs, mm-hmm. some cats, and a child. What Any do you ideas? Re- what do you reckon, David? A recipe for disaster, I would yeah, say. Yeah, sounds like a trip to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Cheryl, are you here to say in a moment that it's not necessarily the case? No, no, it's not the case. It could be a little bit of, you know, pandemonium at the house if you've got a lot of animals. But certainly these animals can help our children and our babies avoid allergies. There'd be no pandemonium if you just have just the cats, trust me. Oh, well... Yes. More than one. <laughs> More than one. Well, yeah. it's, exactly. Good afternoon, Peter at Taralba. Kennelkoff, what's happening out at Taralba, Peter? Good afternoon. Yeah, we've got an 11-year-old uh, poodle, and he's playing with the neighbour's dogs the other week because they've got Kennelkoff, and now he's got it. He, he, pardon the pun, he barks like a dog. He coughs and coughs. You should hear it. It's real yeah. deep, and it's, it's dry, and it's like he's trying to hack something up. And I was just wondering, is it something that we have to take into the vet for? Well, um, every dog obviously is different. Every patient's different. And one of the things to consider, I I think we kind of tend to underplay the severity of a disease like this, particularly because we just bundle it up and it's called kennel cough. So, you know, it's kind of sounds a bit inevitable that, well, they're just going to get this problem and it's just a cough but in fact uh the name that we usually use in a clinic for it would be infectious tracheobronchitis now bronchitis is the small airways in the lung and so yes it can be this upper airway problem in the trachea but it actually can start to affect the lung and for certain dogs if their immune system is not up to speed and and just not on top of things or the disease is particularly severe, it can progress to uh, pneumonia. And so, you know, obviously in those circumstances, we've gone from maybe an irritating cough to something that could become life-threatening. Now, that's probably in the minority for sure. However, as I said, every dog is different. And if you're an older dog, you know, then it's more likely that you could have some uh, problems or complications so it'd certainly be worth talking to your vet and if I the the guide that I use is if it's disturbing their sleep or if they're not eating properly and some dogs are actually coughing so much that they can't sleep and they can't eat they can't drink and so on and so they'll they'll get dehydrated um, they'll get secondary infections things like that um, so obviously pneumonia is kind of the worst of it, um, but their their quality of life in the meantime could be helped by seeing your vet and seeking some treatment. And there are a couple of treatments to use, and certainly for an older dog, I'd be inclined to take him along to the vet to get that looked at. Okay. Now somebody suggested we could give him a little bit of cough mixture. Is that, is that correct um, or not? 
Well, the the generally cough mixtures, uh, you'll know that when you go to the pharmacy yourself for a cough mixture, that you you get the full interrogation, right? About you yeah. know, is it a dry cough or are you bringing something up? Because they'll give you a different cough medicine. So most of the time, people are looking to suppress the cough. But the cough is a reflex by the body to get stuff out of the lungs and out of the airways. And so if we use a medication which suppresses a cough, we might actually end up retaining that uh, junk and the pus and so on in the chest when really what we need to do is uh, some of these dogs are going to need to be on antibiotics. Some are on um, airway dilators like uh, Ventolin type of thing. So, you know, there could be a number of treatments that are needed and maybe a cough suppressant is helpful, but it's not usually the first line of treatment. So I wouldn't be just grabbing some off the shelf um, and giving it to your dog. I think you're best to get that checked out. All right, best of luck with that, Peter, and the kennel cough. Good afternoon, Mark, at Newcastle. You would like to learn all about purchasing a cavoodle. Uh, yeah, that's right. From maybe a self-breed, I didn't really want the... Um want the um, uh, papers or anything like that, um, that doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, I live in a one-bedroom unit and I was asked some company, that's all. Yeah. Um, Cheryl, there's uh, a couple of ways you can approach this. And I know there's, or there was, I haven't checked recently, there was uh, some websites that will give you some guidance towards yep. breeds and things like that. Yep. But uh, small apartment living... Yeah, a uh, cavoodle will be fine. Cavoodle's good, one, yeah. One of the things, Mark, just to understand, a cavoodle is a crossbred dog, so they don't actually come with papers. So right. be, because one of the things with a cavoodle, you've got two different mm. parenting. You've got a um, usually a cavalier and then a poodle, and they're crossed together. But oh, yeah. one of the things that you'll have to consider is the amount of grooming that this dog's going to need. Oh, yes. Because one time, you know, you pay your, your, your purchase price for the pet, and often people don't um, put into, you know, thoughts of what, costs are going to be there and a cavoodle is a dog that because it's got two parent um, different types of coat one being a woolen coat and one being a shedding coat it needs a lot of maintenance so you have to be prepared to do a lot of brushing at home and then there's the grooming the clipping of your puppy as well so that's a consideration that you'll need to have I was told they didn't shed their hair yeah, well, that's a little bit of a furphy because all okay. dogs <laughs> shed hair and some more than others. And when you have a crossbred dog, they often shed a lot more because you've got the, the shedding coat from the cavoodle, um, the, the cavalier, sorry, getting stuck in the coat from the poodle, which is a woolen coat. So you've got this really compound matting that can happen. So all dogs, no matter what breed it is, will shed hair because hair has a life cycle and, you know, it goes through a growing phase and a resting phase and then a shedding phase. So just depending on the breed of dog, it will depend how often and how regular that hair is coming away. So what's the one that would be the less maintenance and a small dog? Would it be a uh, Cavalier King Charles? Um, more, yes, less maintenance than a cavoodle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how do I go about purchasing one of those? Okay, so there's some really great um, online, um, Dogs Online it's called, and they have your pedigree cavaliers. You could go and look at the Dogs Online to see what's available. Um, and, you know, you get a reputable breeder going on Dogs Online and you don't have to, like you were saying before, with purchasing a cavoodle, you don't have to look at papers. You, you know, people are quite happy to sell yes. pet dogs and um, that's really important. And you, you, I think sometimes too when you're buying a dog from somebody off Dogs Online, online you've got a 
lot of better history of their medical conditions and what oh, yeah. what could be there. But all mm. breeds have different um, things that can go wrong with them. There's never just a straight out thing. But just considering the cost of what, um, when you're purchasing a dog, whether it be a cavoodle or poodle or whatever, just making sure that you consider the other cost factors involved. All right, my best of luck with your journey for uh, a nice little companion for that nice little yeah, apartment lovely. living. Cheryl Shaw, who are making earn her money today, and Dr. David Tabard, who feels like he's picking up a check on false pretenses, hasn't haven't needed <laughs> much. It's like my life. It's like <laughs> oh, that's what the tax man says to you as well. All right, g'day, Eric at uh, Cessnock. Do you want to continue the Cavoodle conversation? I'm, I'm guessing you've had or owned the breed, Eric. Yes, I do have one. He's 18 months old, and he's not the red colour. He's a grey, mixed of grey, black. He's very unusual from a litter. And uh, the only cavoodle part of him is his bushy tail. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how sweet. He's really different. No one wanted him because he was a, not the uh, reddish colour. Yeah. You know, but, uh, he doesn't know one bit of hair, maybe a little bit in his tail, but he gets groomed every oh, about four weeks. Yeah, that, and, that uh, was my question, Eric, is how, yeah. how much maintenance you find that you're well, doing for your little dog. Yeah, we wouldn't have to do that long. We've got into a lovely groomer that does it, and we do it. And, uh, she's just fantastic. You know, in the wintertime, we leave it a little bit longer for him to keep him warm, but uh, the only thing he doesn't like putting rugs on. <laughs> right, okay. But uh, he's a little live wire. So <laughs> it sounds smart. like your your little dog visits the hair salon more than you're off to the barber. Yeah. Yeah, I there you go. I don't we... see a barber. I've got a $20 clip-up. <laughs> 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 Only the best. So that sounds great. Yeah. But Good. certainly yeah, that's an unusual colour uh, to have a grey cavoodle. Yeah, it's, it's, people yeah. couldn't send the colour, but uh, I think they, like a champagne, he's got the black and the ears and his tail's different colour and the greys in him and the blacks, you know. His feet, all his feet are virtually the white yep. when she yeah. does him up. He's, yeah. Oh, lovely. Uh, Very yeah, much in... Said he was one of, um, one of six in the litter and he was the last one and no one wanted him, so we grabbed him. Well, well, he's found a good home, Eric. He's, good he's landed on his feet there. Yeah. He absolutely has. Or the tail. It's the tail. Well, that's, that's the right. part that's the cavoodly. G'day, Alan at Lambton. Your dog constantly is licking uh, their paws. What's happening, Alan? Well, she's a 10-year-old Maldi. I've had her two years. She's a rescue dog, and she's had a, a pretty hectic past on the road. Somebody dumped her, and the RSPCA uh, let me have her. And uh, as I say, I've had her two years. She's a wonderful little dog. But she's just a habitual licker. Yeah. And has she been doing that constantly since you've had her? Well, it, it, it seems to be, yeah, pretty constant. I'm just wondering if it's occurring seasonally or right throughout the year. Right throughout the year. Is it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So a lot of dogs um, will lick their feet or <coughs> any part of their body. The licking is because they're itchy. All right. And so the medical term for that is puritis. Um, And for these little dogs, a lot of them will be allergic to things in the environment. Now, when you're saying that it's happening right throughout the year, um, because we might think, oh, well, it's certain grasses or pollens and things like that. Um, Well, actually, that's what we we, we put it down to the grass seeds, et cetera. Yes. Yes. Well, what we find is that these guys, particularly that kind of age group, um, they'll they'll develop these allergies probably from around the age of two or three, and oh, right. then every year they seem to add something else. Yeah. Okay. I, 
actually, uh, I am giving her tablets um, uh, that I got from the vet because she she itches the same. What you said, she yes. scratches as well as doing the licking. You know. Yeah, and it, it takes uh, it takes a, a combination of treatments. Mm. So very often we'll use medicated shampoo. We will use um, anti-allergy medication, and there's a number of different types what? of medication which suppress the immune system. So they is that an injection or orally? No, usually uh, they're oral tablets because okay. obviously you want to be continuing the treatment. You don't want to just have to keep going back and forth to the vet for that sort of thing. But no. having, having said that, this this area of medication and medicine has changed quite a bit over the last probably five to ten years yeah. where we've now got newer newer drugs. I think there is an injection. Uh, is it Cytopoint? Yeah, yeah Cytopoint is... That's an injection, and that actually is a new medication that reduces the uh, immune response. And uh, 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 oh, she's playing up; she wants me to talk to her. Uh, listen, uh, with the injection, does that last for long? Or? Um, I'm I'm not as familiar with it because um, yeah. uh, it's actually come on the market since I've uh, only been doing emergency work. So. Oh, right. Not not something that I should know the answer to that. I'm sorry about that, but um, not to worry. I've got to take it. I got to take it to the vet for a checkup soon, so I might ask about that. Yeah, and and also about the other thing about you know constant whether you have to med- use a medicated shampoo. What other treatments can you do? And there are some options. as also about um, seeing a dermatologist for this, and a veterinary dermatologist, and they can also add in some extra treatment, which would probably reduce that quite a bit. Alan, best of luck with that. I know she's got the barking uh, dog. She's uh, <laughs> wanting that attention. So she's like, yeah, I know you're talking about me. Let's get off and get that <laughs> that, that sorted. In the meanwhile, we're keeping you up, David. You're yawning oh, away there. I was working till three this morning. So How many days back at work is, was that? One. That was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> First one. Oh. oh, to be fair, though, I mean, once you've had a lot of time off luxuriating at home, off on these junkets that you've been on I'm, as well. I'm so glad you said that because I thought you were going to say, you know, to be fair, at your age. Well, you know, I'm a bit kinder anyway. than to point out some of those you right. know, obviousities. But, um, <laughs> but, obvious. you know, you've been sort of, you know, on the relaxing trail, off on these junkets you know, at the company's dime. So Correct. first one back is always going to be a bit tough. It's a tough, yeah. It's a tough The one. struggle is real. It's <laughs> Sorry. <good. laughs> but Cheryl, um, not so much the struggle, you reckon, for families that have multiple different types of animals, the dogs, the cats, the kids, all in there, the pet hubby, everything else. There are apparently some studies that mean that this might actually not be as chaotic as we may think. Yeah. Now, this is a really interesting thing. I was reading an article um, of a study that was done in Japan and what it came up with was that if if um, families that are planning to have a baby have multiple pets in their household, that it can actually reduce the amount of allergies and um, things like asthma and eczema. And one of the things that it said that if uh, you have a, a child or you're having a child and the child is exposed to a, a pet, um, particularly if it's exposed to a dog, that they are less likely to experience egg, milk and nut allergies. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yep. But if you have a cat, they're less likely to have egg, wheat and soy allergies. 
So having a little bit of a look into that, I thought this is really interesting. And what it is, is that they are saying that if you've got cats and dogs, you're going to reduce the amount of sensitivity that the child is, is, is going to have if they're exposed to multiple pets. So if you're a, a multi-cat and dog family, it's actually going to help increase the, the child's immunity. Now, some of these things are really interesting. And one of the, the facts that if you have um, multiple pets in your family, it's caused, uh, called a mini farm, which, you know, I would love. <laughs> but, um, sounds, sounds about right. What do you mean you would? Oh, I would you love a mini have, farm. You do have a mini farm. Sort of. But the, the um, incidence of children and, and young children in particular being mm. exposed to these pets is actually helping their immunity. So a lot of people are a bit germ phobic, but mm. we need to remember that if they're having this exposure, that it's going to really help these children, um, usually by the age of seven to nine, when a lot of those you know nut allergies and those allergies are coming through. So the research is pretty interesting on, on you know multiple pet owning. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was something that was an interesting topic. But we're lucky here in Australia. Yeah. We don't have yeah. hamsters, right? Those little creatures. Now, if you are a child in, in countries that have hamsters, the increase is twice as likely to have nut allergies. So there are different things coming from different pets. So I just thought that was interesting. So keep dogs, keep cats, but no well, the hamsters. Others, they're, no more, hamsters. they're more like vermin, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen a hamster. <laughs> yeah. They are, they're not true vermin, but they look like They're not true yeah. vermin. <laughs> they're not those little rats and mice that you keep, but they certainly do have that effect. They don't, I don't think they have a tail. I can't really remember seeing we've, a hamster. We've got Jeff on the line about his pet rat. Yeah. Oh, dear. The vermin, Cheryl. Oh, you just there's kid, no – sorry, him. folks, there's no yeah. – uh, yeah, <laughs> but so there's less chance of children having asthma, hay fever, and those types of things as well as if there's this exposure. So having yeah, a look at the studies okay. that were done in Japan and also um, in Sweden, it just seemed a very interesting, in fact, that, um, yeah. Now that I've put a picture of uh, a bunch of hamsters up on our computer screen here, I'm... They are I'm, cute. I'm in two minds, actually. Yeah? You're I, quite I'm liking not, the hamster? No, I'm not sure if I like them or they really are just a, a, a mousy rat with a nicer coloured coat. What do you think? Mm. I think they're cute. Yeah, they are a bit cute, but I'll stick to cats and dogs. Yeah. So that's yeah. like you said, Cheryl, interesting that, you know, lots of different research coming out there. So yeah. Dogs, cats, the kids... Uh, might help with some of that other stuff that is very prevalent these days. Yeah, yeah, and people are worried about um, an apparent increase in these sort of allergies that we've been talking about. Yeah, so and in, in countries that are actually quite uh, um, affluent, that's one in ten children have an, an allergy to... Right. You know, so, and that's on the increase. So, you know, we, we really need to look at how we can minimise and what we can do, and some exposure to animals is obviously a good thing. Mm. I remember taking my first child to um, to Oakvale Farm and exposing all of those, you know, sort of dust and things like that. The, m the mini farm. The mini farm. Yeah. Mm. You'd love it. <laughs> Have it in the backyard. <laughs> I think I've got enough. Get ready to wrap things up with the Pet Chat team today. Cheryl Shaw is here. Dr. David Tabret, who said, you know what? Cheryl's not the only one that can bring scintillating, up-to-date, important content to this Program. I didn't. I didn't say scintillating. So we're going to talk about ticks, <laughs> tick prevention, um, and something that's very, very yes. prevalent at the moment. Right. How cold has it been? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Very cold. However, so uh, the thing I run into is a lot of people 
will talk to them about tick prevention throughout the year and they say, oh, no, I, I stop over winter. So despite the fact that we've had this bout of cold weather coming through, we're still seeing dogs with tick poisoning. Well, maybe the ticks, are, they're, they're looking for a nice warm, toasty dog to latch onto because it's cold. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And there, there are parts, you know, we talk about temperature, but for a tick, it's about that local climate and the local climate could be they're sitting in an area that's a little bit warmer. Now, for ticks, they don't actually have to be that warm. So their optimum breeding temperature is kind of like the low teens anyway. And so obviously our days are, are um, you know, quite warm and we're s- still seeing these patients come through with uh, tick poisoning. And in a lot of cases, it's because people are actually suspending or discontinuing their prevention. that they, They're quite strict about and compliant over spring, summer, autumn. Let's just take three months off. However, the problem is the ticks aren't taking the three months off. So they're still here. They're still causing disease. And the great news, of course, is that, uh, which we've talked about many, many times on the show, is the newer preventatives that we're using uh, will provide a huge uh, degree of prevention and almost like a barrier shield for, I don't want to write the market copy for Mm. these uh, tick products, but they're that but what you're effective. saying is that over, over time, you know, like the, the, the techniques actually improve. Oh, they're, they're, in my lifetime, and when the newest products came out, which were the isoxazoline um, preventatives, most people were seeing the brands Brevecto, NextGuard, and there's um, Serestro. They're in the same group. When they came out, we saw a, a reduction in tick patients by 70%, 70 percent, seven zero percent. So we went from seeing 400 patients a year down to, you know, probably less than 100. So I guess keep in mind, like you said, David, it's winter time. You might be taking that time off. The ticks are not. Ticks are not. Keep up with the uh, preventative pet care. All right. Well, we've ticked that box. Oh, dear. It's time for us oh, to uh, walk out of here. Dr. <laughs> David Tabbitt, it's always a pleasure. Love you, it. You've been here. We've probably got a few weeks off from here now, I guess. I oh, know. And Cheryl Shaw, we'll we'll see you back next week. So will you get back to work and come up with some uh, another topic for us? No problem. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at twonurfm.com.